0: Welcome to a podcast of Wyoming Chronicle, where we tell the stories of Wyoming in a weekly program of interviews with newsmakers, artists, innovative thinkers, and unique Wyoming personalities. To learn more, visit us at wyomingpbs.org. Kristen Newland grew up in Riverton, At six foot four, Newland had a stellar basketball career, first at Stanford, and then while playing professionally for more than a decade in Turkey, that's where she met her husband, Emery. While Kristen is back home for the time being, raising their three children in Wyoming, Emery is now a basketball coach for the WNBA Chicago Sky. Kristen and Emery, a basketball life, next on Wyoming Chronicle.
1: This program was funded in part by a grant from Newman's Own Foundation, working to nourish the common good by donating all profits from Newman's Own food and beverage products to charitable organizations that seek to make the world a better place. More information is available at newmansownfoundation.org. Funding for this program is made possible in part by the Wyoming Humanities Council, helping Wyoming take a closer look at life through the humanities, thinkwhy.org, and by the members of the Wyoming PBS Foundation. Thank you for your support.
0: And as we begin this Wyoming Chronicle, it's my pleasure to be joined by Kristen Newland and her husband, Emery Vatantsever. Did I get that correct,
2: yeah, Emery? correct.
0: I wanna... Um, Maybe give our viewers a little history with you, Kristen, and um, certainly in our promo we've talked about that you've been a professional basketball player. Emery, you're currently now a coach in the WNBA. Um, Kristen, I remember watching you play in middle school and high school here in Riverton, but you were a multi-sport athlete. You swam, mm-hmm. you threw the shot and track and did other things, and you also played basketball. Yeah. So as we begin this discussion, let's go way back there to um, how you progressed in basketball. Um, Obviously, you're very tall. You and I are just under two meters in height, we figured out. Correct. (laughs) Much much longer than you, what are you, are you 6'4"?
3: Yeah, without shoes. Okay, Basketball height was 6'5".
0: Okay, so obviously you've been very tall.
3: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: When did you know that you were gonna be a pretty darn good basketball player?
3: Um, Well, I never knew I was really good, I just knew I was having a ton of fun. You know, mm-hmm. and I just never stopped. I, my parents had to weed me out of things because I wanted to do it all. You know, not just sports. I play wanted to play the piano, dance, piano, gymnastics, anything. I was just like, sign me up. So, the older I got, the more I had to choose. And basketball, sports were the mainstay. Um, and then eventually, basketball and, and swimming, especially, were the ones that I turned out to be. You know, to excel in, and I loved it and. And now, and obviously, with my height, basketball came easily, and here we are today. So <laughs> it former state way back champion in.
0: backstroker.
3: Yes, am I remembering that correctly? Uh-huh.
0: Um, you traveled a, a lot when you were younger in Wyoming, and you were playing basketball around the region. At what age?
3: Oh, I mean, we would travel to camps. I think as early as middle school, you know, like even up here at CWC, they had camps. Any any sort of. And especially being in a smaller rural area, if we didn't have access to that, you know, we'd have to travel. And so um, we'd get our teams as early as middle school and we'd travel to Idaho, Colorado, Utah and go on some tournaments. And I have vivid memories of that because that was just you know, your first chance of traveling with friends and just having a blast playing like three games a day. You know? And um, yeah, that was my earlier memories back in middle school.
0: Emery, give us a sense of your basketball history. You've been a coach now for a long time. When did basketball really, I guess, grab you, so to speak?
2: Um, I, was, I was four. Um, I, my dad put me in a camp that um, there's a bunch of experts in it, and they tell you what sports you should do or go um, in the future. At four years at old? At four years old. Wow. So, yeah, in Turkey. Those experts told me that I, 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 I need to go start playing tennis. Um, and I really like, it was, I think that was the time that, um, you know, like we started hearing in Turkey, Michael Jordan, you know, John Stockton and these and that, those, those names are, in our here. So I just, I, I grew up watching NBA. So I wanted to be a basketball player, um, but they told me that I, I need to go tennis. So it was the first decision that I have to make, but I have always feeling that basketball is my future. Um, I love basketball, and my dad, oh, of course, supported me uh, for that, um, and I started to play. Um, I play until 17, but then I realized that, <laughs> I realized that I'm not going to be a great basketball player. So I was like, okay, I need to stop uh, doing what I'm doing because I'm not going to make, make my life playing basketball, um, but I love basketball, so I want to coach, so I want to go that way. So um, I went to college um, about basketball coaching. So uh, my degree is actually basketball coaching. Um, so one of the university in Turkey, and I got my degree and I started uh, building on it.
0: Well, Christian, it begs the question, what were you doing it for years old?
3: <laughs> I was just riding my bike around our neighborhood. <laughs> so, so um, Christian. You, you
0: came on, you had, a, you had a great high school career. Um, there had to be a time when you knew that you were going to be a national caliber player. When did that happen for you?
3: Um, I want to say sophomore junior year when recruiting started to pick up. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, up until actually in my sophomore year, I was convinced I was swimming still. I think I was still even a better swimmer. But during the summer, I just got better and better. Started to burn out of swimming a little bit. Um, so it really wasn't a tough decision to realize I was going to be playing basketball. The team aspect kind of is what was fun for you then? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, swimming is a very individual sport and it's mm-hmm. a little monotonous, but, you know, it's very rewarding, you know, working out and getting your PR times. But basketball, there's so many different aspects of it, and I started to improve and get better. And I think by junior year, when I started to get a lot of interest from, colleges, where I was like, okay, this, this has a future for me.
0: When I visit with um, people who are familiar with your career, they all say one thing.
3: They all say work ethic. Where did that come from? I think my parents. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I've, I feel like I've always had a drive to improve, to get better, to be the best um, with all of my sports. And you, know, and, you know, swimming, I would wake up as, as a middle schooler and work out my, on my own before school. I'd be up there at 5.30 in the morning to get, so I could do two workouts a day. Or with basketball, I'd come in before school, shoot 100 free throws, get some shots up, um, any way I could because, you know, I just had this hunger to be better. Um, and it was fun for me. It was not, never a job, never a chore. You know, I just had just this drive and I think my parents have definitely instilled that in me and watching them as role models, them work hard and it just really came naturally to me.
0: So here come the recruiters. You literally could have went to any program of national caliber. Um, You chose Stanford, Mm -hmm. why?
3: You know, once I got academically accepted, they can't offer any scholarships until you get academically accepted. Former valentine at Riverton
0: High School. Yeah,
3: correct. Um, So once, and then There's an allotment of how many visits you can take, so as soon as I visited the campus um, was offered the scholarship. It wasn't a choice of like other schools I could go to other schools, but I couldn't be at other schools knowing that I had my chance to go to Stanford. Um, it really felt like home there. I knew it was you know it was a 40-year decision, not just a four-year decision at Stanford, just the caliber of academics and athletics there. Um, it's just so hard to say no to that school if you get accepted and offered a scholarship. So again, that was never, I thought it was gonna be a hard choice. It was not a hard choice once I visited the school.
0: I'm assuming this um, uh, recently, you were watching a certain basketball game in a national championship
3: with Stanford. What relationship
0: do you still have with the school?
3: Oh, we're extremely close. I mean, all of Stanford alums, current players, it's a sisterhood. You know, I emailed Tara right after the game, Coach Tara, and she emailed me back saying, you know, this championship is for all the past players, you know, to get to this moment. You know, we've always been a very good basketball school, but it's so hard to get to that top moment. And every alumni felt so proud (laughs) for that moment. And it was just amazing to see. Do you still have game tape of, of your college days? Oh, I'm sure they're somewhere. Emory, have you seen any of it? <laughs> I've seen it. Was she, was um, she good? Yeah. Come on, Emory. You're yeah. the coach now. You can yeah. evaluate here. Yeah, she,
0: she, she's she is a solid player, I think. She's still a solid player to me. Yeah. So um, it strikes me, and we're going to get into your pro career in just a minute, but if you were graduating from high school now, I'm wondering if your opportunities, Kristen, would have been the same because you were a force under the basket. Mm-hmm. And the game now has changed. Um, I do remember that you could... Bring the ball down and break a press. I do remember that you shot maybe a three or two in your in your collegiate and pro career too. Um, but it's a different game now. Do you think you would still have a future in the game if you were graduating from high school today?
3: I think seeing the game as it is, I think I would have evolved. I would have seen the game in the pros in college mm-hmm. and be like, these six, five players can handle the ball. they can shoot threes so I would have worked on those I feel like you know I worked on my weaknesses and I did actually work on that once I got to the pros and realized hey like you need an all-around game so I really worked on my outside shot you know I became a verse, more versatile player being able to play under the basket and away from the game away from the basket um, in high school I was six I was six five then I was the same height so it was very advantageous for my team to to really be under the basket <laughs> <Wasn't it though? laughs> yeah so yeah. you know my game just <clears throat> evolved and I think if I, you know, players, you know, if you want to succeed at a higher level, they adapt to, this, to that changing of the game and improve all areas of their of their game.
0: Emery, what was your fir- first coaching gig? Then you went to university, you studied basketball coaching. When when was your first coaching
2: opportunity? Um, actually, right after I graduated, I just start, I started working before even if I even uh, get into college. So I was I was uh, I was coaching on uh, youth. Youth twelve, when I was seventeen, um, uh, that was a, like a kind of basketball camp, running mm-hmm. weekends. So um, when I go to uh, college during the during the weekdays, so I was going to that camp and uh, teaching the kids. Um, but actually, my professional career start. Um, so you know, Turkey, you have to go to army. This is uh, mandatory army. So uh, right after I graduate, uh, I graduated, I went to army. And I was talking with some of our, um, one of the few of the couple clubs that um, I may go and work um, with them. Uh, so I got a call. I got a recent call, an um, unexpected call. Uh, so they, they just interviewed when I was in um, Army, Military. Uh, so they, uh, they told me that they want to work with me. And I was, I was so happy. Actually, one of the team, that uh, rival team of Kristen's. So, um, so I got, we didn't know each other at the time. Um, so I accept the job and I start coaching one of, the,
0: one of the good team in Turkey. Tell me, what's your sense of how athletics are received by youth in Turkey with what you're coming to learn about the United States? Um, you said you were evaluated at four, which is very different than anything mm-hmm. I've heard about in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any more or less emphasis in your eyes placed on athletics in Turkey compared to what you've learned about this country?
2: Um, I'm, first of all, I'm still learning what's going on in this country. <clears throat> I've, I've been I've been here um, five six years, legi- legitimate. You know, like I'm still learning. I'm still learning what they do in youth. Um, I think they have. Um, so, United States, I think, is very organized, um, and they know what to do, but. If, if, you, if you watch uh, NBA and if you watch WNBA and players who come from Europe um,
0: make incredible impact. They really do. You were drafted by the, in the WNBA when mm-hmm. you graduated and then you ended up playing professional basketball in Turkey. Right. Tell me about that process.
3: Um, I was drafted to a team that doesn't exist anymore, Houston Comets, kind of aging myself there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was cut right before the deadline Um, But fortunately there's a lot more opportunity overseas for um, players. So I signed with an agent. Okay. um, And he talked to a multiple clubs overseas that needed my position and that was the right fit for me as a first-year player to have a good experience. You know, that's an agent's job to make sure they go to a club where I'm gonna have a good experience so I can keep playing, I wanna keep playing over there because that's a different life over there and so that's an agent's job. So so, you had
0: decided after graduating from Stanford, you earned your degree I'll say, mm -hmm. but you still wanted to play basketball.
3: Yes. That was important
0: to you. Mm -hmm. Right.
3: Okay, continue on. Yeah, and and that was, you know, I knew that was an option. The the WNBA was young at the time, 10 years old Um, and once I didn't make it there, I, I pursued other options overseas and so my agent found me a place in Turkey Um, southern Turkey, and I signed the contract and was over there the following August, and I played for the coach at the time was the national Turkish national women's team coach as well, and overseas you can naturalize one player who's not Turkish to play for you on your national team, and I played really well that first year, and they needed my position on their team, and he said, Kristen, we'll give you a Turkish citizenship, come play for our national team, we need you. And that was it, that's how I got my citizenship. And I played for their, their national team for uh, five, five, six years. Um, and it was also advantageous for me because overseas you can have at the time two Americans. So I could be on a team and not count but against that allotted mm-hmm. two spots. So basically I was on a team with three Americans, even though I didn't technically count as an American. So it was very advantageous for me.
0: There were many players who played in the
3: WNBA, but also played in your league.
0: Is that right?
3: No, that that was typical. So the WNBA season is summer. um, And because salaries were not competing with overseas salaries at the time, players played 12 months a year. They would play in the WNBA and continue overseas and play overseas, come back for their WNBA season. So it was very, I would say at the time, almost more than 80% of WNBA players played overseas as well.
0: When did you first see her play?
2: Um, I think it was, uh, what was the first year that you were in, um, national team? 2008, yeah. so that was, um, she came to one of, one of our big gym that always national team works there, national team practice there, and I saw her there, which was, um, which was 2008, yeah, that was summer training camp, and they're getting ready for, uh, Euroleague, uh, Eurobasket tournament. So how did that
0: work? She's a great player, or I'm going to marry her. How did that one go? Well, <laughs> it wasn't like that. Okay. Well, we met 2010, I think, two years <coughs> later after that. Okay, so um, you, were, you, didn't meet, you didn't meet
2: yet. No, no, you no. You saw no. her yeah, play. Yeah, I saw, okay. I saw her play. Uh, I watched the practice a little bit, and I was like, hmm, that's good. She's going she's gonna to have a good impact on, on the team, and, which she did.
0: Um, so that was the first impression. Was it odd, Kristen, playing for a national team that wasn't the United States national team? Was that odd in any way for you?
3: Um, Not particularly. I wasn't the first to do it. I think the most famous one back then was Becky Hammond, who's now the assistant coach for the Spurs, Mm -hmm. Um, tried and tried for the US team, and she ended up playing with the Russian national team with the same agreement that I I had. So I had seen other players do it first. I realized I wasn't the caliber to play for the U.S. national team and so here was a chance to play on a national uh, international level um, and, obvi- and it would also be advantageous to me. So it kind of seemed like a no-brainer. Um, I couldn't try my hat again in the WNBA because the national team played in the summer so I did have to make that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I did ultimately ultimate choice and choose the national team. So it was, you know, they were very welcoming. The Turks were very how, warm. How was that?
0: How, for you know a couple American athletes maybe three depending on on each teams and then but you took a Turkish spot maybe I don't know I did and how <laughs> so how did that work out what were the dynamics there with you and, and fans
3: oh it was, they were very accepting you mm-hmm. know as soon as I got the Turkish citizenship I was able to play for the most elite team in Turkey because <coughs> they always had the best Americans they had national team U.S. national team players playing on their team so I wasn't able to be an American on their team, but I was able to be a Turk. So as soon as, you know, I put that Fenerbahce is the name of the school I played for, or the club I played for, as soon as I put that jersey on, I mean, they, they were loyal through and through no matter where you came from.
0: If people Google Kristen Newland in turkeys basketball, they may not be able to find you.
3: What name ought they be searching for? Uh, Nevin Nevlin. And then once I got married, my Turkish passport is actually his last name now. So it's Nevin Vatansever. Uh-huh. Um, they why wanted did, why did you want to change name? Oh, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> they wanted me to have a Turkish name. Okay. They're like, we're gonna make you Turkish through and through, which I mean, it was fine. <laughs> sure. So Nevin is um, the first name they gave me because they, I don't know who picked it. A lot of people came up to me and said, I, I picked that for you, you know, you're my <laughs> Turkish daughter, that kind of thing. But um, uh, yeah, so th- I didn't even know until I, Saw the passport. They're like, oh, by the way, your new name is Nevin. (laughs) By the way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, okay. (laughs)
0: Uh Um, What are
3: facilities, um, day to day
0: living, um, you know, the life of a a WNBA player versus the life that you were living in Turkey? Um, I'm thinking housing, medical care, access to nutrition, and
3: all those things. Mm -hmm. What did you experience? It's definitely more limited overseas. I mean, once and it also depends on the club you go to but once you get overseas they're like you know that you do your physical but here's your apartment See so you at practice so what you do in between then you know we went to grocery stores and we're just like this kind of looks like rice you know this kind of like is this you know we had to figure it out on our own and that's that was probably The most difficult, especially if you haven't in your first couple years out of college and you haven't been overseas, you know, you had to really adapt so you really grew close to the other Americans. Right. Um, There were some language barriers. It wasn't guaranteed that the other players knew English or the coaches. Um, So we had to kind of communicate basketball, (laughs) and that was a universal language. So it's very, you know, you're thrown in this cultural shock, and, you know, how you respond is, you know, will set you up if you want to continue playing overseas.
0: So you two became a couple. Um, You're married now, have three beautiful kids. Um, What was the decision to, was it because, Emory, you wanted to live and work in the United States? Kristen, you came back and played after having twins, Mm -hmm. um, which which is somewhat unheard of. Tell me about the decisions to stay and play and now come back to the United States.
3: Um, well, I think when we just, you know, we, well, we were at a point where I was 33 and we were at a point where I was like, well, do we want to wait till my career's finished to have kids or do I want to have a kid and try for a few more years? And if that was the choice we were making, we needed to have, a, you know, we wanted mm-hmm. to start a family at that time. And that's the choice we made, um, ended up being twins, <laughs> which made it a little more complicated. You know, the recovery, the... I've read
0: where you have said that's the hardest thing you've ever done. Um, going through the pregnancy
3: and then coming back to compete at that elite level. Is that true? It is, <laughs> and before I got pregnant, I, you know, assuming I was gonna have one kid, I was gonna go through this semi-easy pregnancy and come back, and once I found out I was twins, that didn't change my mind. I was like, I still wanna try to come back and play from this. Um, and after a fairly difficult pregnancy and delivery, and once I was able to recover and really get back in shape, it was tough. I mean before I could work out, I could get enough sleep, I could recover, you know, I could do twins other changed things. changed that, did it? It did, <laughs> you know, they, did, they were very demanding of my time. Sure, <laughs> sure. So it, that part, this being able to get back in shape along with the sleep deprivation, and I was still breastfeeding and just the time, you know, we were literally taking the twins in a pack and play into the gym, we would work out, Sometimes if they need to change a diaper, Emre would go change a diaper. I would run ladders while he was doing that to stay, you know, keep my heart rate up. Or if they were unconsolable and I needed to feed them, I'd mm-hmm. take a break and go back. I mean, just looking back at what we did, it was, it was pretty remarkable, but I wouldn't change it.
0: <clears throat> I've read in, in different articles where other players who have experienced this decision on whether or not to have a child and our elite athletes <clears throat> are sometimes kind of treated as a commodity well, if that's what you're gonna do, we don't need you anymore, mm-hmm. we're gonna move on.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Was that a pressure you felt?
3: Absolutely, you know, I, I felt like I had been playing in Turkey at the time for 10 years. I felt like I had proven myself that the coaches knew me, they knew my work ethic, they knew that I could come back. I expected that, you know, but once my agents started talking to these teams, they're like, oh, she wants to play again? She's gonna play? And I'm like, why are people surprised? You know, I, I'm still, f- 33, I still have a few more years left in me. I'm relatively, you know, I'm healthy otherwise. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it really, it was really disheartening because I only had, you know, whereas I would have my pick of teams in Turkey, I only had a few choices this time. And it was, um, and once I did play and they're like, oh, look, she she can play again. You had to take a pay cut to play. Yeah, I did, you know, that had some to do with the economy in Turkey at the time, but also they're like, we don't want to take this bigger risk with you because we don't know. And so at the time I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take this pay cut. I'm going to prove myself again. And then the next year, you know, I'll get back to where I was, you know, and that's, that was my mindset, unfortunately. And, you know, that's what I had to do, but it's, yeah, it was pretty disheartening because, you know, like the mothers (coughs) have to go through this and overseas it's, it's, it was tough as it is. And it's not just in basketball, I should
0: say. It's, <clears throat> it's an issue in all sports. So, Emory, here we are. You're a WNBA coach. Right now, you're living in Riverton, but coaching for the Chicago Sky, an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. You've made your dream. I did, and uh, I'm so, so
2: happy with that. Tell me what you do. Um, now, I'm, uh, I'm assistant coach. I'm uh, one, of, one of the other three, um, so yeah. Uh,
0: And this season now is, um, um, it's a six month season. Six month season. And you're about to embark on the season. You have a sense for where the WNBA has been and where it's going. What do you think about the league?
2: Oh, um, it's, well, it it was my dream and it was, it's much uh,
0: different than than, uh, what we experience in overseas. So what's next? Your mom, Mom. memories coaching in the WNBA. Mm -hmm. What's next, what do you see your life progressing
3: towards? Well right now this is such a natural transition for me you know I've officially you know I've decided to retire and um, since I am making a transition in careers I've kind of decided to elongate that transition and you know and I'm fortunate enough that I can stay home with um, my three very young children and you know enjoy this very different and next stage of my life so I'm really I'm staying home with them um, we're following Emory around for the time being and um, we'll see once they get a little bit older. If I wanna, if I miss basketball enough, I might come back and in, in, in the coaching realm really? as well. It's an option, um, or on the business side of it. You know, I, I, you know, it's been a year since I played, so I'm kind of, you know, I'm like, oh, I kind of miss it now. You know, I'm not enough to play again. So but if if you were gonna coach
0: now and start a coaching career, would your eye be on middle school kids and developing, high school kids and learning what it means to compete, or elite? competitors? Where would you see yourself? I think there's,
3: I think there's advantages to all of those levels, you know, I, and I'd be fortunate enough to be, you know, in, um, (coughs) a child's life when they're first, you know, looking back Mm -hmm. when I was first loving the game and seeing that again, um, or all the way up to, you know, collegiate level where, you know, players are, really getting serious, it's a collegiate game and possibly going on to the pro level. I think the different stages, there's just so many unique things that, you know, you could see and, and develop at any stage.
0: Well, Emory, it's been a pleasure to visit with you. Thank I've met you. you before just a couple times. Kristen, I've known you most of your life. It's been fun to watch you um, go through the process of being a very successful middle school basketball player to a great pro player. You mm-hmm. had a long career, more, I mean, more than a decade. That's mm-hmm. rare, kind of, isn't it, to have that long of a pro career?
3: It is, I mean, playing professionally 11 years, uh, taking a year off, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that's why when I retired this year, I felt, I felt at peace with it, because I've been very fortunate to be able to play this long, and to really never have had a job. I'm 30, almost 36, and to me, playing <laughs> basketball has never been a job, even mm-hmm. though it's been my career.
0: Well, to you both, best of luck. Thank you. Um, in whatever's next. Thank you very mm-hmm. much for joining us on
3: Thank you appreciate it
1: This program was funded in part by a grant from Newman's Own Foundation, working to nourish the common good by donating all profits from Newman's Own food and beverage products to charitable organizations that seek to make the world a better place. More information is available at newmansownfoundation.org. Funding for this program is made possible in part by the Wyoming Humanities Council, helping Wyoming take a closer look at life through the humanities, thinkwhy.org, and by the members of the Wyoming PBS Foundation. Thank you for your support.